welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 251 of the podcast. I hope everyone's having an awesome, awesome summer. I hope you enjoyed Debbie's episode on Tuesday. I thought this episode, following up on that same topic of dealing with differently wired children, is the perfect accompaniment, but I just really loved getting to know Debbie and hearing her perspective and her motherhood journey, and I'm hearing from you that you loved it as well, so that makes me so happy. Today we have Jessica Lamb back from Skip to My Luca. You guys loved the Q&A episode last month, and I am so excited to have her back on to answer a few more of your questions. She is somebody that's educated in the special education field, and that is also part of her motherhood journey. But as a typical mom myself, and you may find yourself as a typical mom as well, we can all benefit from these amazing answers from Jessica's expertise. So let's get back to it with Jessica Lamb. All righty, I want to welcome back Jessica Lamb. Hey, Jessica. Thank you. Hi. Yeah, Thanks I'm, for having me again. It's my pleasure. How's your summer? Awesome. So good. Summer is the best time, I think. It is. It is. I just love all this time and making time for the things you don't normally have time for. It just feels good. Absolutely. It's so fun. And just having hot weather and relaxing, I just, it's the best. I think teachers live for this, live for this time of year. I know. I know. I bet. You're a busy lady. So, you came on last month for the Q&A, and we are going to answer even more questions today that we've that I've received or you've received um, to give parents a little more parenting perspective. Are you ready? Yes, totally. Okay, so a very common question that I have received and see and hear from parents at the pickup line is, my child is clingy just to me, or my child only wants my husband to do this. And they have that preferential treatment, and they have a really hard time getting them to do the things that they want to do because they want the other parent. What would you say to that? Yes. So this is an issue that a lot of families face, and even... um, what really taught me about this lesson actually is working as a teacher and in my classroom because I teach special education we have a lot of assistance within the classroom and early on I started seeing a pattern of like there were two different things that would happen the first thing that would happen is that kids somehow always seemed to know like that I was the teacher that I was the real teacher as they would say and that the assistants were not real teachers and they didn't have to listen to them or I would see them playing favorites with the assistant like or a specific assistant and I really started thinking like what is that about how do they know like how do they know that I'm the real teacher or how do they why do they like that person better than me or why do they like me better than this other person and so there's actually a lot that can go into that. The first thing is that, it's, first of all, it's natural to have preferences, right? You might just click with somebody better. But when we're talking about parenting and a child pre- um, preferring one parent to the next, it's probably deeper than that. Um, the first thought is that one parent just has a better rapport with the child. And in our classroom, we're always talking about we have to build rapport with them first. So we have to, if we want them to listen to us or respect us or care about what we have to say, we have to build that rapport with them first. 
So maybe um, there's a stay-at-home dad, and the child seems to be more clingy to dad. And that could be because dad has built a lot of rapport up with that child over the days of being home. They spend time together. They know that dad's going to give them their favorite snack. They know that they're going to play outside with dad. And so they kind of have that really good rapport. And maybe mom is at work more, and so they don't have, they haven't had those same opportunities. So mom is going to have to be really intentional about spending that one-on-one quality time with each child and really building rapport with them because maybe they've had that lost time, Mm. if that makes sense. So rapport building is huge. And even though it's our kids and we think like, well, that's my child, like they should naturally just love me and prefer me. But we have to build that relationship with them, build that rapport. Um, so that's the first important thing to do. So I would suggest, like, if you're the parent who feels like you're not being preferred, <laughs> maybe looking at that. And do I need to take my little buddy out and just have, like, a fun day just with the two of us and just work on building that relationship and strengthening that bond? Because that could just it could just be as easy as that. It could just be that solution. The other thing to look at, though, is um, are your parenting styles so different that your child is preferring one to the next, maybe because they know that um, you're going to be a little bit softer on them and that you're going to maybe let them get away with more, or do they prefer dad because he's going to set more limits and be more firm, which kids actually really need. So I think being really united in how you parent your child is a good way to avoid this from happening just because we don't because your child knows that it's going to be consistent across the board. They're not going to get it easier with mom or get it easier with dad. So looking at that is important, too, and that's kind of something that I learned from being a teacher with my assistants. I saw, well, they prefer the assistants because they're easier on them, mm-hmm. or they know that they're going to let them get away with more than I would. So we really had to look at how can we unite as a team and be sure that the, the children know that we're all on the same team and that they're not going to get more from someone than they are from another person that is great that is great advice yes the very last thing about this I always have three things the third thing is just to look at how you and yourself are talking to each other too so because like I said in my classroom sometimes it seems like the kids knew like who was in charge and I realized that that's because my parent my assistants were always asking me like hey Jessica what should we do like doing this what do you want me to do or how should I handle this like asking that in front of the kids and kids are so smart and they picked up on that and they were like oh we get it like she's in charge and they don't know what to do so we can kind of mess with them kind of thing so looking at how you're interacting with yourself in front of your kids like are you saying to your Mm -hmm. husband don't do that let him do that or don't put him in time out kind of doing those back and forth in front of your child that is kind of a good opportunity for them to look at oh it seems like mom's in charge here, and she's the one who's going to make me do what I don't want to do, so I want to hang out with dad. Ah. So looking at that, too. That is great. That is great. So that brings me to my next question that I got last week. Um, I've been talking a lot about positive parenting, and I am so gung-ho, and I'm finding it's working so, so great for me. But I'm getting a lot of feedback from moms who say that their spouse thinks that positive parenting and just praising the good – is way too lax and that can't possibly work and kids need more boundaries and rules and harsh consequences or whatever it is. But just for parents in general that aren't on the same page, 
how would you suggest yeah. they, they work together? Because you, you've talked about, and I believe too, parents need to be a cohesive friend for their kids. Yes, it's so true. And I this actually is the number one most asked question that I get on my Instagram. Mm. Truly number one. Like above all else is people saying, I love this. I want to do this with my kids, but my spouse is not on board. Mm. And so I have, a, of course, I have a lot of advice on this because I'm always just having a lot of things. So first thing, very bottom line is that you have to find unity even if you don't agree 100%. So you don't have to agree on every single thing to a T of how you want to parent. You don't. And that's, that's actually impossible to even reach for that. But you have to find unity. You have to find where do we have common ground and how can we work through that. So what I suggest, and um, this is something that Taylor and I, my husband, have done actually, is kind of sat down and made a list, or we actually, you could make it in like a Venn diagram if you're a teacher, you know, there's two <laughs> circles where there's two circles, but they meet in the middle for things that you agree on, so you might be um, really for positive parenting, and your spouse might be more of a firm, strict parent, but maybe you both agree that you don't want to yell at your kids. So that's where you can find that common ground. It's like, okay, it's okay for you to be more firm or um, not necessarily give directions the same way that I would. But as long as we agree in the middle that we're not going to yell and scream at our kids, bam, like there's your unity. You found that one piece. And it's okay for parents to parent a little bit differently. It's actually good for kids to have those different styles, but you don't want it to be exactly different. So, um, I would, I would address with your spouse how do you feel about yelling. That's a huge one to find a common ground for that. And another one is to discuss how you feel about spanking or hitting our kids. Mm-hmm. And Taylor and I both agree that's something that we're never going to do, but I get messages a lot that, um, you know, the other parents feel like spanking or that kind of thing is a good way to punish our child. Um, so this is where I say... <laughs> making a list of your hard no's. Like, what are you not okay with? I, even if my husband thought that we should spank our kids, that's a hard no for me. And we would have to say, we agree to disagree, like you think spanking is right, and I don't, but can we agree to not do it? Can we find a way to mm-hmm. just meet in the middle? And this may take a lot of discussion and conversation, and that's okay, but we have to find, we have to make those lists of hard no's. And we have to have a give and take. So maybe your husband has some hard no's and you have some hard no's. And if you can agree on those, not agree, but agree to disagree, but say we're not doing it, that would be a great thing to do. Um, And the third thing that I have about (laughs) this is to create um, strategies together. So discussing like, oh, you know what? Poppy is going through this hitting phase right now. So let's sit down and talk about how do we want to handle Poppy hitting every time whether we're alone, whether we're together, how can we agree that we're going to deal with her so that we're on the same page? And this is important because if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a strategy, then everybody's acting in the heat of the moment. Everybody's going to act differently and 
then not only is it not going to be effective, but that's when you're going to have disagreements because maybe you didn't have a plan and so when Poppy started hitting, you went in and gave her a little steak on the butt, you know, Mm -hmm. because you weren't prepared. But if you had sat down with yourself and said, this is what we're going to do when Poppy hit every single time, then you don't have to act out of, um, you know, you don't have to act out of stress or out of frustration because you already have a plan. Mm. So wow, and I think when you through. can when you can do that and model that for your kids, then you can help them come up with plans too. Like I see you always get frustrated when you lose at a board game. Okay, so every single time you might lose at a board game, this is what you're going to do. You can feel frustrated, you can feel disappointed, but this is what you're going to do instead of throwing the board game everywhere, right? Yes, making yes. okay. making those plans is so important. Being yeah. prepared, and if you. And yourself, if you aren't going to agree on everything, you really aren't. But you can each put your own ideas into the plan. Like, yeah. And you can agree on that. Just finding a way that you can agree um, and avoiding doing things like avoiding undermining each other, especially in front of the kids, is a huge one. So you have to have these discussions apart from your children. Even mm. if you have to battle it out, don't do it in front of them because then they're going to pick up on the fact that you're not a team and that you don't agree and that maybe they could get away with something different with each of you. So these conversations have to be had, but they don't, they shouldn't be held in the heat of the moment and they shouldn't be in front of your kids. Right. Yeah. And I think reinforcing positive for all members of the family works. Like this is basic human relationships. When you feel praised for something that you did, you will do more of that. And when your spouse is acknowledged and praised for doing something like, gosh, when you handled that with Poppy, she just like really listened to you. That was incredible. And when you bolster their confidence that they did a great job or, you know, you can talk about it and be respectful with each other, you're going to get more of that from them versus more pushback. Yes. And saying things like that is so important. And saying to yourself like, oh my gosh, that was such a good idea. Right. Like, where did you come up with that? material as well like is there anything you want me to read can you find a podcast episode to listen to you know and then we can discuss it and when you know better you always do better 
right? And so sometimes we just have a very limited mindset and the way that they were raised or the way that you were raised really does impact how you parent until you decide to do it differently. But that decision, it takes a while or can to come to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's going to take time and it's going to take effort, just like anything within a marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is no exception. And I, the stakes are high yeah. with parenting. And so, I mean, there's room for growth, there's room for mistakes, but we want to make sure that we're getting it right as often as we can, mm-hmm. especially together, because we don't want to just keep blowing this off and blowing it off and um, not having these discussions, because before you know it, your kids have grown older and you kind of missed the boat for how to deal with these things in an appropriate way. So the stakes are high, there's room for error, but like let's have these conversations now so that we're in control. Yeah, and especially when it's repeated behavior, it is so worth the legwork and the teaching and the role playing and just the intention you put behind trying to come up with a plan for a repeated behavior that's not working. The hitting, the dumping, the, you know, talking too late on the phone, if you have a teenager, um, back talk, whatever it is, work towards solving that issue because then you won't have to repeatedly be coming down on your child and criticizing them for repeatedly making the same mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so next question, bedtime. And really this can stick with, you know, you can fill in your blank with whatever thing your child is pushing back against. You want your child to go to bed, you're exhausted at the end of the day, and then suddenly they have 10,000 requests at the end of the day. They're getting out of bed. They're talking. They're not staying in bed. They want a drink. They want this, that, or the other thing. How do you deal with bedtime? Bedtime. Bedtime is so hard for so many families, and I guess the first thing I want to say is that. So just know that if you're having bedtime struggles, you're not alone. Everybody is having bedtime struggles. I think it's probably one of the hardest things about being a parent. First, we deal with our newborn not sleeping. Then we have an infant that we're trying to sleep train. And then we have toddlers. You know, it's just, I feel like it's kind of a never-ending thing. But it's important to, um, across all ages, across all spectrums, from newborn to teenager, having a bedtime routine. You'll hear this all the time, and I know it's annoying, but having a bedtime routine and really sticking to it, really setting those limits and being firm about those limits. So whatever your bedtime routine is, stick to it. You may break it every once in a while for special things, and that's okay, that's exciting, but 95% of the time, you've got to stick to this bedtime routine. And something that I that I recommend for all parents and families is um, to sit down and create a list of like general family rules with your kids because that helps them to have accountability and that they took part in it. I actually suggest the same thing with a bedtime routine. So if you can, if your child's old enough to communicate with you, asking them, what do you think our bedtime routine should look like? Hmm. Do you want to... Um, brush your teeth first or do you want to read a book first like what order do you want to do things here are things we could do pick which things you like and let's put them in order that helps because they it's not you saying first we brush our teeth then we read a story then we go to bed that's how it is it's for them having some say in it so then they have more ownership and they're less likely to feel like they're being too controlled 
So that's a great a great way to do it. If you have younger kids, you could still have their collaboration. Like you could write the um, routine down and draw pictures and let them color it or let them look at it and say, look at this. This is what we do at bed. We brush our teeth. We read a story. We get a drink. We go to bed. That's what we do every night. And you could hang it up in their room. I mean, all these different things. So the first really important part is to put in that legwork up front. So setting these routines and being um, strategic about it before it even becomes an issue. Um, maybe you'll be able to prevent some of this. So something that people get, people say to me a lot are that their kid keeps getting out of bed and saying that they want to drink or just one more story or whatever. But if you have those routines in place and you have done them and you have a list or you have pictures and you can say, oh man, look at this. So we did get a drink and then we read a story. So now it's time for bed. Mm -hmm. Just those are the limits. You know, this is what we're going to do. Right. Um, and you, it's probably once this becomes an issue with like they getting a drink or whatever, um, it's not going to be go away the first time. Mm-hmm. But the more consistent you are with saying, you did have a drink before we read a story, so now it's time for bed. And not saying things like, no, you can't get a drink. No, 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 no. You know, mm-hmm. just saying, oh, you did have a drink, then we read a story, now we go to bed. Mm-hmm. You may have to repeat yourself over and over, and that's okay, but you have to stay firm on those limits because if you get let them get out of bed to get a drink one time, then that's it. You've lost all of your... Um, control over that situation so it's hard and your kid they do this on purpose they play into your guilt like (laughs) I'm so thirsty or so hungry and you have those moments where you feel like oh I'm such I'm just I'm just torturing my child but if you know that they had a drink and they had a snack and you know that they're okay you don't have to feel guilty about that and you know that you're following the routine and they're gonna be okay Yes. So, so good. Yeah. So good. Routines, being consistent and watching your language too. Yeah. So you're always saying, no, 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 we can't do this. That makes them want to do it more. So thinking about the way you're phrasing it, like, oh, we already did that and it is time for bed. Things like that are, are really important with kids. Sure. And and the way you approach things, like you said, in a positive way, like, okay, now we get to start our bedtime routine. What's first? And really, I mean, obviously that's more the way you would speak to a younger child, but, but yeah. really... Like, we're dealing with nap time right now. My son just learned to climb out of his crib, and it's literally D-Day over here. Like, it feels like the biggest deal, and it's so sad. But So I've been working on strategies. I don't just want to put a tent over the crib because I want to give it a little more time to teach him and help him to see naps are advantageous. You want a nap because you feel so good and – you know, all these things. I don't know if I can get buy-in from a two-year-old on that, but I'm working on it. And so we talk all morning long leading up to the nap. All morning, we get to take a nap at 10 and then you get, we get to snuggle with your blanket and with your bear. And then if you stay in bed and don't climb out, when you wake up, you get a sticker on your chart and get a treat. Yay. And what do, and then I have him repeat, what do we do? What are we doing at 10? nap time what do we get to cuddle my bear what are we going to do after you stay in bed we get to get a treat right and so the build-up and that they know what to expect and so when you approach bedtime like come on I'm exhausted brush your teeth you haven't brushed your teeth yet and when it's a negative they are going to keep trying to get attention because I think they really are trying to end on a positive note (laughs) right they just want more attention from you and it's a process. So like you said, it's they may push back that first time, the second time, 
maybe even two weeks of it. But the more that you stick with that routine and that schedule and they know it's working for them, it's working for you, it's working for everybody, they're going to stop the pushback, right, eventually? Yes, absolutely. And what you're doing is so perfect in that positive reinforcement. And I think sometimes we even wait until there's a problem to start this positive reinforcement or to start these charts. But if you start it now before it's even a problem, like if you make your bedtime routine chart and they get a sticker every night that they complete their bedtime routine and at the end of the week they get something for it, and you do that even before you have an issue with a bedtime routine, you're probably going to avoid an issue with bedtime routine in the first place. So, yeah, being really strategic and thinking this through beforehand, like looking at areas where we can positively reinforce our kids now Mm -hmm. to avoid those times becoming problem areas in the future so good. Like, so good. That's what we want to do. It's all about prevention. Yes, it totally is. And as you're yes. in summer and you might be dealing with, in my house, it's technology. Like they just want to be on the darn screens all the time. And so there's a lot of push and pull and pushback. And that shows me that I have not set the boundaries ahead of time. Right? Like what you were saying, I did not intervene soon enough. I didn't come up with a plan. But it doesn't mean it's too late either. So now my new thing is, okay, today we need to have a family meeting and discuss. We're on screens way too much. What do you think is reasonable? And I'm talking with my kids. What do you think is reasonable? How can we set this up? Do you think, you know, a little in the morning, a little bit at night? Do you want it all together? Do you want to earn extra screen time? How could you earn extra screen time? Because that seems to mean a lot to you. Putting a plan in place instead of constantly fighting about it, that just sounds better. And I can't believe I haven't done that yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. And any time that, like you're doing, like any time that you can allow your kids to collaborate with you and setting those limits, it's so powerful. And even asking them what some limits should be for you. Okay. Okay. We don't want it to be like us sitting there telling them, like, you can't have free time at this time. You could even ask them, like, gosh, what do you think that mom could do better with her phone? Or when do you want me to have my computer put away so that we can play? Or including them and allowing them to set some limits for you, too, because then it feels like more of a relationship and less of a dictatorship. So you asking them for their input is so huge. It's empowering, and it just builds that relationship and that rapport so much. So good. And it really is, you can either say, okay, you know, we're going to do way less screen time. You can only have screen time, you know, two hours a day or whatever your limit is. Versus, okay, how much do you think is reasonable? How much time do you think we can spend on instead of like eliminating it? What can we do? And just even shifting that is probably better. Yes, Mm -hmm. totally. And I've actually, I've even heard some parents of kids with like younger kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, parents with younger kids, they even find success just in the simplest things like, hey, we have um, 10 more minutes left of screen time. Do you want to set this timer? Like, come yeah. over here and set the timer for 10 minutes. And when it goes off, you'll know it's time for screen time to be finished. Mm-hmm. But just them, like, setting their own timer makes it feel so much better to them than us setting the timer and saying, okay, I'm setting this 10 minutes and you're done. Right. But even just for them to take that little bit of ownership and, like, oh, I set the timer, so when the timer goes off, it's done. Mm. Because then they actually feel like they were the ones who were in control of that. So, so Or even asking them to, like, um, do you want to have... <laughs> Six minutes or ten minutes mm-hmm. left on the iPad, and I know it sounds dumb because you think 
right? But they don't always, because they just feel like you're giving them that choice, and just having that choice is empowering for them. So totally. and it's, it's such a simple thing that we can do that just helps us to feel less like dictators, less like we're nagging, and more like our kids have some choice in their lives. Right. Yeah, I think as moms, we want to say yes whenever we can, but we also have to manufacture those opportunities to say yes, right? So give them two choices where yeah. you're fine with either choice that they're going to make and and create lots yeah. of those opportunities. Because when you're saying yes so much more, your no's are going to mean something. Absolutely. Yeah. That's like the first, the top number one <laughs> parenting tip that I have for everyone is to look in your day and where can I give my child some choices? Choices that you are still in control of, but they don't really know that, and they feel like they're in control because kids have so little control over their own lives. Like, can you even imagine? So it's no wonder that they want to act out and they want to um, rebel and have these moments because they're just looking for opportunities that they can control. If we provide them that, then they're so much less likely to try to control us. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not annoyed when I choose to put ice in my cup or not put ice in my cup, but somehow when they ask me to put ice in their cup, it just seems like huge. <laughs> like, how dare you? Drink this room temperature water, you you entitled child. Like, come on. Come yeah. on. We can do better than that. Oh, Jessica, this has been yes. such another great conversation. Thank you for sharing your wisdom on these questions that I know have been so enlightening to me and thought-provoking. And if if these questions and these scenarios didn't immediately relate to you, you can tweak them and fill in your own blanks to see, you know, the struggles that you're having, having and the same principles apply regardless of your children's ages. Yes, absolutely. It's so true. Just take everything as like a general umbrella and see what you can use to make work yeah. in your own family. Right. Right. And and instead of saying like, oh, well, that would never work for my child because such and such. Well, what would work? What what would work? What can you take from it that, that can help just a little? Because we can always yeah. learn new strategies. Jessica, you're the best. Thank you. Happy summer. Thank you so much. You too. Another amazing episode with Jessica today. If you want to follow her, you could do that at Skip to My Luca on Instagram. She does the best stories where you can hear even more of her wise, wise teaching um, about behavior, about her personal experiences with motherhood. She's just the best. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist three or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. We're gonna link to these questions over at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Did you know you can also listen to episodes over there too? So if ever you're having a problem with any of the podcast apps, you can always find the episodes over there as well. Coming up this Tuesday, I have an episode with McCall Dempsey. McCall is an extraordinary mom who is going to share about not only her own battle with an eating disorder, but also her daughter's diagnosis with cancer when she was very, very young. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.